It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everybody. we got a good one for you here today as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Cater versus Ige, which took place on Wednesday, July 15th, 2020, on Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, UAE. And I, I got to be honest, I mean, this card really surpassed my expectations. Now, obviously, if you listen to the preview show, my expectations were very low because this card is one of the least stacked cards of 2020. Uh, one of the least stacked cards probably in a really, really long time. I think this is maybe a little better, although actually you could probably argue that that Shevchenko card versus Karmouche was probably better because at least at least there was a title fight on that. Um, but, you know, I, I got to say it surpassed my, my very low expectations. A lot of UFC newcomers, uh, I think everybody who won a performance bonus was a UFC newcomer. And, you know, I get it. If you're in the UFC, you have to make your UFC debut at some point, but to put all those debuting fighters on one card, I mean, I can see why they put it on the Wednesday night card. Obviously, Dana implied they had to fill contractual obligations, which I could tell without him even saying that. Uh, and I guess there's no better place to start, obviously, than the main event where Calvin Cater defeated Dan Ige. I believe it was 49-46 on two cards and then 48-47 on the third judge's scorecard. Just a good fight, a good fight, competitive. You know, that's one of the things, one of the things you can say. Uh, every single round, for the most part, was, was... You know what, I'll say every single round was competitive. It was a very competitive fight. There were ob- obviously some clear winners in certain rounds, uh, and some, some not-so-clear winners in some other rounds. Um, I've been told I was a crack smoker for, for how I scored this fight, uh, but I scored this fight a draw. Uh, this fight, I don't care what anybody says. You know, maybe I'll go back and watch it at some point. Probably not, though, because I don't really want to watch just a good fight for 25 minutes. Uh, but I scored it a draw, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Uh, that's that's my opinion. Uh, it was a very competitive, very close fight. And I scored rounds one and two for Dan Ige. Round three, I gave that a 10-10. That was a really close round. And rounds four and five, I gave to Cater. Now, four and five, Cater won those rounds with a wider margin than Ige won rounds one and two. But if you win a round, unless it's a 10-8, the points are all the same. You know what I mean? So whether or not you squeak by winning a round, or whether you... I don't want to say dominate, because dominate's obviously a 10-8, and I don't think anybody thinks there was a 10-8 in any of these rounds. You know, but whether or not you squeak by, or whether or not it's pretty wide, it's still a 10-8. So don't get don't get mad at me. This is the MMA scoring system. So, you know, I, I will admit rounds four and five are pretty clearly cater. I don't really see how anybody else could score those for for Ige. Round th- round three is tough, and and the first two I'd, I'd have to give it to to Ige. Um, you know, m- most people if they gave, I think all three judges gave. Ige round two, so that's not very controversial. But, you know, 
I, I don't know. I think it's favoritism. Uh, you know, a lot of people are big fans of Calvin Cater, and I think that's why, uh, you know, people thought he won 49-46. But, again, I'm not going to fault anybody for thinking that Cater won 49-46 or 48-47. Obviously, I thought it was a draw. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to fault anybody because these are very, very close rounds. So you're not really a crack smoker for, for disagreeing on very close rounds. You know what I mean? It's just a difference of opinion. And, and whatever, man. I mean, it's a close fight. I mean, round three could go. To, I could make the case for Cater in round three. I could make the case for Ige. You, you know what I mean? Obviously, people did make the case for Cater in rounds one and two. I think Ige won rounds one and two. They're, they're really, really close. It's not like it's a given. It's not like it's obvious. It's not like it's obvious that Cater won four rounds. You know what I mean? You you really can make an argument. So, I mean, whatever. You know, there's a bunch of fucking idiots out there on Twitter who think they're fucking tough people. But yeah, whatever, man. It's just people with Twitter fingers. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a draw. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Uh, that That's a draw to me. But, again, I'm not mad if you think Cater won because I can handle differences, differences in opinions because I'm not a fucking idiot. Um... And again, I can make the case that Cater won 49-46. Again, there's, there's these swing rounds where, man, I don't know who did it. Now, I guarantee the people who think Cater won those rounds, I'm pretty sure you could look back at stats to, to quote-unquote prove Cater won those rounds. Stats are for fucking nerds. When you're scoring a fight, you don't have the fucking stats that, that, that you're Googling on fucking on, on your internet browser and that, that you're looking up on Twitter and that the UFC's showing you. So I, I wasn't I was not a fucking nerd and looking up all this shit. I'm just scoring it as it happens. Cause you don't have you don't have that. There's many fights where you could score differently if you had the the strike totals. But I will say something with strike totals, who gives a fuck? You, you know what I mean? When the strike totals are so close, just use your fucking eyeballs, you know what I mean? Like and and, and strike totals are so contextual as well. Are you are you tapping the person? You know what I mean? If if I land 30 weak jabs and you land 20 fucking H-bombs, well, okay, I mean, some fucking nerd on on paper is going to score it for the guy who landed 30, but it's not really how it played out in the fight, buddy. So, you know, it's so contextual. And whatever, watching it with my own two eyes, yeah, it's a draw or it's a cater 48-47. Four rounds is very generous for for Cater, but again, there, there there's these certain swing rounds, and whatever. I, I don't think Cater's that great of a of a fighter, to be honest with you. Uh, I'd still side with Dan Ige in the long term. Uh, I think Cater will get fucking smoked by any of these top competition, uh, top competitors out there. Um, I don't I don't know, man. I mean. I would have liked to have seen Ige with go with some more leg kicks. Calvin Cater cannot check leg kicks to save his life. So I think, obviously, we've seen there's a ceiling uh, with Calvin Cater. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that ceiling's always going to be there. He certainly could surpass my expectations and get past that ceiling. But you know, he's had the loss to to Zabit. He's had the loss to Moicano. Uh, you know what I mean? He's a he's a good fighter. He's certainly deserving of being ranked and in the top ten. Uh, I think we had him as number seven uh, in North Star Sports, and he'll probably crack into the top five. To be honest with you, because the top five is very inactive and Cater's very active. So, 
Uh, I'll, I'll probably do the rankings tomorrow morning, and then on tomorrow's show, when we preview the Saturday card, we'll just go over the rankings changes from this fight card. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll probably be in the top five. I don't think much higher than top five. I think five is probably appropriate, but um, I, I don't want to say something that's not true when I put the rankings out tomorrow. Uh, y- you know what I mean? But that fight with Moicano was in was in like 2016 or 2017. And he, you know, where he just beat his legs up and he still really hasn't learned. A very good striker. I'm not trying to shit on Calvin Cater here because I think he's a very good fighter, obviously. But uh, I, I, I do think unless he fixes certain things, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. And again, it's not like I think he blew past Dan Ige. I think Dan put out a, a good performance. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I said on the preview show, these these are two fighters who are in similar spots in their career. But obviously, Cater's the older fighter uh, with much more experience. Not a whole ton more experience, but 26 fights as to 17. Um, so, I don't know. This is certainly a fight, like I, again, like I said on the preview show, that, you know, we could see a rematch in the future. And I'd be very interested to see how that would go with both of these fighters getting some more fights under their belt. Um but it was a, it was an enjoyable fight. It was a it was a fun fight. Other than the fucking idiots on Twitter, just you know, doing what they do. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, we had Tim Elliott beat Ryan Benoit. I guess I guess it's I guess it's Benoit. That's what they were saying. I guess I called him Benoit in the um, preview show. Doesn't matter because he's not a UFC fighter in my opinion. He fell to ten and seven, lost to Tim Elliott who. I mean, Tim Elliott's a good fighter. I really liked him in his fight with uh, the raw dog, Brandon Royville, but obviously he kind of gassed out a little bit, which is concerning because you're a, a flyweight, so gassing out in, in a three-round fight is uh, uh, it's not not a good sign. But props to Tim Elliott, you know, for getting back on track. I still think he could beat a lot of guys in, in the flyweight division. And he, I don't think he's that old either. I think he might only be 33 or 34. Um yeah, 34. So, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, that's kind of it's kind of old for flyweight. Flyweights don't really age <clears throat> gracefully, which is why, uh, spoiler alert, I'm not going with Joseph Benavidez, the older fighter who only got older to beat Davison Figueredo, uh, just because 35, uh, which is how old Benavidez is, I believe, is basically 75 in, in flyweight years. I mean, this is not heavyweight we're talking about. Heavyweight, 35, you might not even be in your prime yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? But flyweight, you are five years past your prime. So, uh, But that's that's another talker for tomorrow's show. But uh, props to Tim, Tim Elliott. Again, I didn't really watch this fight. I watched the third round because uh, I really don't care about the flyweight division. It's a boring division with uh, not, not too many interesting fighters. Uh, barely enough fighters, I believe, to do a top 15. Uh, I think even after Saturday... I've, I've kind of contemplated doing a top five or a top seven for flyweight just so that we can do rankings. But, man, I, I just don't give a shit about flyweight, which sucks because there's some good flyweight fighters out there. Uh, but, man, the UFC just can't do anything. I mean, you could argue one FC has a better flyweight division than the UFC, and that's kind of embarrassing. So, um I, I I don't know, man, and that, and that sucks because I mean there are some some interesting fighters at you know Davison. That's a very interesting fighter who's gonna be champ if he can make weight on uh, on Saturday. You know what I mean? He's a fun fighter to watch. Uh, you know, Benavidez is fun to watch as well. But you know, just some of these guys like Ryan 
Benoit. I don't know, man. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Not that I, you know, not that it's money out of my pocket or that I truly care that much, but how Tim Elliott and Ryan Benoit were the co-main event makes no sense. You could have picked any other fight, literally any other fight on this card, and it would have made more sense to put as the co-main event. And we'll move on here to the featured bout, which should have been the co-main event. I have no idea. Both these guys are ranked. They're much better fighters. Jimmy Rivera and Cody Stamen. Rivera won by unanimous decision. Uh, I, I didn't watch this fight uh, a whole lot. Uh, a lot of clinch work from what I saw from Rivera. Uh, maybe not the maybe not the prettiest victory, but uh, you know I think that's a, a solid win for Jimmy Rivera. You know, like the broadcast team said, you know I think we all forgot how good Jimmy Rivera is, and and you know we we talk about the insurgents, uh, the resurgence, uh, and, and I guess the new fighters coming in as well of the bantamweight division. Let's not forget about Jimmy Rivera. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was super highly touted at one point. And then, like we said on the preview show, listen, like, he's still up there in the rankings, but he lost three of his last four. Dude, it was to Marlon Marais, who's the number one contender, or number two contender, Aljamain Sterling, who's the number one contender, and Piotr Jan, who's the champ. So he lost to the top three guys in the division. And, you know, people are making it out like it's a, you know, doomsday or whatever. I mean... Losses are losses, and you can't pile up too many of them in the UFC, so there is some truth to that. But when you look at his strength of schedule, ah, it it literally doesn't get any better. You literally, like, it's the top three. It cannot be, you could not have a harder path. And then the one fight he did win uh, back in September of 2018 was over John Dotson, who's nobody's punk. You know what I mean? Nathaniel Wood found that out in, in his last fight. Uh, I believe in that Rio Rancho card, you know, and that guy's someone who fought, uh, what is he? He's a two-time title challenger down at uh, flyweight. So, you know, the, the magic man's pretty tough. So it's good to see Jimmy Rivera to get back on track. Kind of sucks that he had to beat Cody Stamen with everything that was going on in his life. Uh, but that's a very solid win. Cause I, I think Cody Stamen should stay at, at featherweight. He looked so good. Cody Stamen looked so good at featherweight in his last fight. So for Jimmy Rivera to come out there and, and, and put that type of performance on, on Cody Stamen, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive because what he did to Kelleher, who, again, you know, Kelleher's not ranked. I'm not trying to make it seem like he's a champion or nothing, but, you know, he's a very, he's a very, very tough fighter. Uh, moving on here, also on the main card, Talia Santos defeats Molly McCann by unanimous decision. Did not watch this fight, uh, so props to Talia Santos. Sucks for North Star Sports because we picked Molly McCann to win this fight. I was almost going to make it my lock of the week, but thank God we uh, we did not. Although, I had Dan Ige, and that was a little cheeky on my part because I, I obviously could have picked uh, you know, a real lock of the week, but I'm such a Dan Ige fan that I, I kind of made a point to pick him as my lock of the week. Uh just for some controversy, just to make the lock of the week, you know, because if I if I pick the heaviest favorite on the card every single week to do the lock of the week, well, that's not really fun. That might be truthful, but that's not it's not really fun. You know what I mean? Like I try not to pick the heaviest favorite. Although I will I will say if I wasn't gonna pick Dan Ige for my lock of the week, I was gonna pick Abdul Razak Al Hassan, uh, and I would have been wrong on that one. So. You know, whatever, fair enough. I, I would have been wrong even if I picked my original 
uh, one I was going to pick. Uh, and that kind of leads us into our next fight. Uh, a uh, unanimous decision victory for Munir Lazez over Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Uh, I didn't realize how dominant Al-Hassan was. Uh, what is it? He had, he had 11 fights in 30 minutes or whatever. Just crazy power. And he put a he put a fucking beating on Lazez in those first 45 seconds. I really thought that fight was going to get stopped. Uh, but Lazez just stayed, stayed composed, proved he had a chin, and then honestly kind of dominated. I mean, Abdul had his moments, uh, you know, in rounds two and round three, you know, but he missed weight, which is a major, you know, a lot of people, I guess it's kind of conflicting where a lot, some people say it's a huge advantage for the fighter who misses weight in the fight because you didn't have to cut all the way down. And then some people say it's a disadvantage to not make weight because you, you, tried as hard as you can for the weight cut and you couldn't make it so you you drained yourself as much as you could uh i suppose again that's that's situation by situation because i guess it depends on how hard you actually tried to make it while still missing uh but didn't really seem to impact uh al hassan but lazez very very good i like the call out of mike perry i think that'd be an interesting fight uh, that'd be very good for for Munir because, you know, Perry's kind of a celebrity fighter, pretty big name, big following, so a win over Perry would do wonders for Lazez. But I was I was very impressed with uh, the uh, the elbows and the knees from Munir. Some of those some of those knees, he got his knee up up pretty high and uh, he just missed on a couple of them and then, you know, some of the elbows. Uh, very, very proficient striker, which I think is gonna serve him well. Uh, particularly at uh, welterweight. And, you know, a lot of people say lightweight's the deepest division. I would actually contend it's welterweight. Although 135 to 170, all four of those divisions are just fucking stacked. Absolutely stacked. Um, I feel like featherweight doesn't get as much love because it's sandwiched between the bantamweight division, which over the last month, month and a half, has really stood out as the premier shining star division in the UFC and then obviously lightweight you know you got Khabib and Poirier and Hooker and McGregor and all these guys um but honestly and welterweight the UFC it's tough to tell but I feel like they probably have the most welterweights under under roster if you went so like if you went division by division I bet you they of all the divisions they have the most amount of people signed to the welterweight division probably because that's just right around the average human's uh, weight. It, it might be lightweight, but, you know, welterweight is very deep. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how the UFC will try to build Munir Lazez because, you know, they're, if you're trying to build up a fighter in the UFC in the flyweight division, ah, that's pretty fucking hard because there's very limited options. So, you know, you can't duck too many fighters. You're going to you're gonna have to face people at some point. But, and I'm not saying they're trying to build up Lazez. Uh, or, or suggesting that's what they'll do necessarily because, you know, feeding him to Al Hassan is a very tough challenge for his, his UFC debut. But, you know, you can kind of cherry pick, you know, some interesting matchups as he works his way towards the top 15. Um, I was trying to find his age. I forget what his age was. He's not, he's pretty, he's pretty young though. He's pretty young. I want to say he's like 24 
or something. I guess we can ask the uh, the old Google machine here real quick because that's always fun to do uh, live on air. Um, but, you know, and, and it's tough. I don't want to be too hyperbolic because it was just one UFC fight. You know, I've fallen victim to a to a solid UFC debut. You know, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, going a little overboard. Um, ah, he's 32. So I was completely fucking wrong. I was off by like almost a decade, but whatever, 32, you know, I mean, he's coming into his prime. So, uh, I don't know. He, he handled that task very well. You know what I mean? It's a real thing. A lot of, a lot of the best fighters in UFC history, a lot of, a lot of the fighters who are, in, who are, you know, highly ranked right now. I mean, a, a good chunk of them lost their UFC, UFC debut, not because they're bad fighters, because obviously they're highly ranked, just because that's really, really hard to do. And obviously it helped that I believe the UAE is his home country or where he's living these days. So uh, I, I suppose the, the home home field advantage helped a little bit. Uh, moving on here to the prelims, Kamzat, no, Hamzat, Hamzat Chemaev uh, chokes out John Phillips. Uh, not very shocking, like I said. Uh, this guy was one of the heaviest favorites on the card. I think he was like a minus 390 favorite. Uh, John Phillips, I think he falls to like 1-4 in four or 1-5 in five in the UFC. Um, it is possible any fight you're ever in with John Phillips, it's completely possible he turns your, your lights out. But if he doesn't land those those counter punches uh, with full force, I mean, he's going to lose the fight. And uh, So again, that's a tough one too because you know, they were calling Hamzat, you know, the mini Khabib, Khabib 2.0 or whatever. Uh, tough to tell because John Phillips is, is he'll probably be cut after this fight, to be honest. Um, so certainly the lowest level you can get at 185. Um, but again, good debut. Uh, only six fights coming into that one. So uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty young to get in, into the UFC. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the Swedes' future as, uh, as time goes on because he took absolutely no damage in that fight. Uh, honestly, one of the shock, biggest shockers on this card, uh, was this featherweight fight here between Lerone Murphy and Hecardo Hamos, where Lerone Murphy knocked him out, knocked him out late in the first round with ground and pound. Uh, he actually took Hecardo Hamos down, I believe, not just one time, I want to say two times, because he did it the first time, and they said it was a bad idea, the broadcast team, and then took him down again. You know, this guy who started his pro MMA career when he was 16, you know, a really, really good uh, BJJ. Uh, I want to say he's won medals, but I don't really know a whole lot about, you know, the IBJJF and all that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, very credentialed, very good fighter, still only 24. And he was 5-1 and one in the UFC coming into this fight. And uh, Lerone Murphy proved he's the real deal. You know, and a lot of people thought of him as a striker, but after that, I mean, he's not afraid to take somebody down who's, you know, I guess I guess you could say that's Ricardo Hamos's strength, although, you know, he's no slouch of a striker either. And that's that's two really, really hard first fights in the UFC. You know what I mean? So he draws with Zubara Tukagov. Zubara Tukagov. Zubara. Khabib's boy. I, I fucking cannot pronounce those those Russian names. Uh, but Zubaira, Z, the Z-man, uh, drawing with him in his UFC debut. I mean, that's a guy who was like 18-4 and four 
you know what I mean? And was like maybe like five and two in the UFC or whatever. Like a very, very good fighter. Very tough. You know, very impressive. Just like uh, uh, Armand Sarukian, who I think is fighting next week. Uh, his UFC debut versus Islam Makachev. Um, and then to come out here and beat a guy who has much more UFC experience, much more MMA experience, you know, that's very impressive. So it's kind of... I really wonder who they'll put him up in against in his next fight because I, I feel like he's he's been the heavy underdog in both of those fights, and it kind of not not exactly to this level, but it kind of reminds me of Kama Worthy, you know what I mean? Where all right, let's just not that the UFC didn't have high hopes for Lerone Murphy because he was an undefeated prospect when he came to the UFC, so it's not like he was a late replacement guy who was fifteen and seven. You know what I mean? But, oh, let's feed this guy to Zubara. Oh, let's let's kind of feed him here to Hamos. And then he, he beats both of your boys. Like, okay, well, who do we put him up against next? I mean, it's it's probably going to be a pretty a pretty real challenge in, in Murphy's next fight. Uh, moving on here to one of the more interesting fights here on the card, Modestus Bukowskis uh, retires Andreas Michalidis. Uh, at the at the end of the first round, really really weird. I looked at those elbows many times. They all looked they all looked legit. Uh, the redness on Andreas's uh, the side of his head, you know, kind of proved that those elbows were legit. Although v- very close to being illegal, but in my mind, clearly legal. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean that that does kind of suck. Now, so the controversy here was that the the ref stopped this fight in between round one and round two. Bukowskis, in the final seconds of round one, uh, he uh, Mikolitis is clinching. Uh, I think he might have, uh, what do they call that, the uh, the locked hands behind the butt uh, as he's clinching him on the fence, and he, he throws uh, those elbows to the, the side of Mikolitis's head. Uh, takes some damage. So the bell rings. Andreas is still on the ground. Referee's telling him to get up, telling him to get up. Those were legal blows. And then, so Mikolitis is is kind of leaned up. He's on all fours, but he's, he's kind of leaned up, leaning back against the, the fence. But the fence portion where he was leaned up against was the door. So when the door opens for everybody to come in in between rounds, like the cutmen and, and, and all that, uh, he falls through the door on his butt, which kind of gives the appearance that you know, he was on Queer Street, you know, that he was, that he was really, you know, wobbly. Um, so the, the ref pretty much stopped it right as he, right after he fell through, uh, the open door. And I, I can understand why there's some controversy there, but you know, the, the thing that gets me is, is Mikolaitis did, did not protest at all. So that led me to believe that he was pretty hurt. Certainly in my opinion, I think the fence, uh, you know, getting pulled out from under him. I think that did, you know, enhance the appearance that he was, you know, really, really hurt. But I do think he was hurt to a significant degree. So, you know, I, I didn't really have a, a problem with that. And neither did he at the time. Maybe he feels some type of way, you know, now as we're, you know, 24 hours past the fight. But, you know, if, if he's not protesting, then then I'm not going to protest. Uh, moving on here, uh, we had a catchweight fight. Jared Gordon 
beats Chris Fishgold by unanimous decision. Uh, shout out to Jared Gordon. Uh, saw him at UFC Minneapolis. Seems like a good guy. Obviously had some uh, personal tra- many personal tragedies over the last you know X amount of time. Uh, pretty serious stuff. Uh, and you know, just kind of talking about the fight. You know, having his corner test all of his corner test positive for COVID nineteen. Couldn't make the trip with him. He tests positive for COVID nineteen. Turns out it was a false positive. And then, you know, he had several more, and they, and they, they all showed negative. Uh, Paul Felder, who is his teammate, I, I guess I didn't realize the relation there. I thought they were just under the same agent, but it turns out they're teammates, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, Paul Felder corners him, and Jared Gordon just beats the piss out of Chris Fishgold. Not even close. It was 30-26, I think, on all three scorecards. It, honestly, it could have been 30-25. I mean, the first round was pretty dominant, but I'd still say 10-9. I I guess I didn't see the judges' official scorecard that they submit. I assume they gave Gordon a 10-8 in the third. Eh, you probably could have given him, given him a 10-8 in the second. Like, he had something ridiculous. It's a 15-minute fight. He had something crazy, like 10 minutes of ground control or something. I mean, every time I'd look up to watch this fight... You know, between eating pizza rolls and, and, you know, grabbing more beer. I mean, Gordon's just sitting there. You know, he's, he's just holding on to the back of Fishgold and just, just punching him in the head repeatedly. I, I think the fight honestly probably should have been stopped. There's no reason. There's no way Fishgold was going to win that fight. You know, I mean, arguably from any point in this fight, there was no chance Fishgold was going to win. But certainly I'd say it became glaringly apparent after Gordon has like eight minutes of control time through two rounds and we're midway through the third round and he's just getting punched in the head uh and he I mean he is doing what the referee said you know when the referee says move I mean he did move he did try to roll unsuccessfully many times uh whatever they whatever they call not it's not the Imanari roll but it's the um uh, what do they call the escape roll there's there's a name for that uh, but trying to do that little role to to get away, the, the role that Tony Ferguson does, well, I guess he's known for the Imanari, but also the um, the fireman role or something. I have no idea. I'm not a fucking MMA coach, but uh, was not working. I think they could have stopped that fight. And, you know, Chris probably just took more damage. I don't know. He seemed to be okay, but he certainly took unnecessary damage, you know, for the last half of the uh, the second round. Uh, we also had a quick finish here in the second fight on the prelims. Liliana Jojua with the armbar over Diana Balbiza. Um, not a lot, not a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, you know, Diana came out with a fury for the first 30 seconds. And, you know, after that 30 seconds, the rest of the fight was uh, Liliana on the ground and then pulling the armbar and getting the victory obviously this this was two fighters who did not have a victory in the UFC coming into this fight they both lost their debut uh Liliana lost her debut on the last Abu Dhabi card in September headlined by Khabib and Dustin Poirier uh so again not a whole lot to say there funny moment after the fight with Liliana trying to speak English which she does not speak very well with John Anik and them refusing to use a, a a translator although Props to Liliana because I, you know, a lot of people like to make fun of people who speak poor English because it's funny. 
Uh, but props to her because that I'm not trying to get all sappy here, nor nor be a simp. I feel the same way for guys as well. Uh, you know, but but props to you for you know trying to speak English. I don't I don't fault anybody for trying to speak a language. You know, even if they fail, I don't fault I don't fault them for trying to speak a language that isn't their primary language because that takes balls, or in this case, lady balls, I guess. Uh, <laughs> takes lady balls because you know what I mean. Like you're you're on live TV, you just had a fight, you're out of breath, and you're trying to. Like, you know, I took four years of German. If you asked me to say anything in German after I, you know, just did 15 minutes. Well, I, I actually, I guess it was stopped in the first round. But either way, you know what I mean? I couldn't say shit in, in German. So, you know what I mean? I always respect those people who, who do stuff like that. Sometimes it's funny because, you know, sometimes it'll turn out like uh, Vanderlei Silva saying he wants to fuck Chuck. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. That's a tough situation. Uh, yeah, I guess it's it's kind of funny, but you know what I mean. Props to people who uh, are bilingual, because I am certainly not, and I respect the I respect that ability, because uh, that's very hard to learn, um, especially as you get older. It's it's really hard to learn, apparently, uh, mentally. Um, moving on here, the final fight, the first fight on the prelims, was a win for Jack Shore over Aaron Phillips. Uh, domination from Shore landed a couple of big knees. Obviously choked him out. Uh, you know, props to him. I th- I believe two other opponents canceled on him, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is why he took on Phillips. It's it's tough. It's another U. It's another UFC win. You stay undefeated, but I have no idea what a win over Aaron Phillips means. You know what I mean? Like. I'm not saying I can't decipher meaning unless unless it's two ranked opponents, but you know what I mean—a late replacement, a guy who failed out of the UFC the first time. Don't don't really know what what that does. So he was originally scheduled to face Anderson dos Santos. I know a little bit more about what that might mean, you know, because dos Santos is a guy who's been in the UFC for a little bit longer than than Phillips, or actually stayed in the UFC and uh, has a better record and. Uh, you know what I mean, a, a veteran of the sport. So I, I, I could see what that means, but um, yeah, don't don't really know what that, that means, but uh, shout out to Jack Shore because uh, he, he's about to be Wales' only UFC fighter because I think um, uh, John Phillips is going to get cut because uh, he just doesn't really win fights in the UFC. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Uh, we got through all the fights here. Um, what is it here? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so we we went six and five. Uh, I knew it wasn't a super great night for us. At least we stayed above five hundred. Um, th- this is gonna hurt our our picking percentage. I think we're sitting. Oh, I want to say we were so hot at two fifty one. Uh, I want to say we were sitting right under 65%. Uh, obviously, going 6-5 and five on this one's going to fuck us up a little bit. But, you know, I, I knew this was going to be a tough one to pick because it's so many debuting fighters. And it's... I'm not making any excuses, but, you know, it's it's really hard. At least when... At least if it's not a fighter you're familiar with, but they've been in the UFC for some fights, or even if it's just kind of two blase UFC fighters and both of them have like five fights 
of of tape in the UFC. At least I can kind of decipher something. It's it's just really hard, man. Like you could be a 10 and 0 fighter and come in the UFC and lose three fights and you're gone, or you could come in and and you know you're you're the next Kamaru Usman. Like it's ah it's just so so random that debuting fight. I'm sure my percentage on debuting fighters is super fucking low. Unless it's a debuting fighter on like short notice, notice against like an established UFC guy, uh, but yeah, it's just really hard, really hard to pick. But uh, you know, whatever. It's better than going five and six. That would be bad if we didn't even get half of our picks right. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. We we, we that that main that main card was not good for us because I think we only got two. Yep, two, we got the two fights right on the main card. So main card was tough. We did pretty good on the prelims. But again, there's always room for improvement. And, you know, this is a busy week for the UFC because uh, what is it? We'll have that uh, fight night on Saturday between uh, Figueredo and Benavidez. So th- that, that'll be fun. Obviously, we'll do the preview show tomorrow for that. We'll let that one sit for, for a day. Uh yeah, man, hopefully we just do better on, on picking that one. Because, uh, again, we, we need to pump up this percentage. We've been so red hot. I can't, you know, I can't stand if if we have two bad performances in a row. We got off to a pretty cold start uh, to, to start the season for North Star Sports. But, you know what I mean, our our reputation is on the line here. We, we, we are held accountable. So the, the emphasis is really on me to, to, to get it done and... Uh, I think we could briefly look at the at the fights tomorrow. Uh, again, we'll do the preview show tomorrow. But I think that it's more of an established fight card, um, so I think it'll be a little easier for me to pick some of these some of these fights. A lot of names, a lot of names that I that I would know. Um, pretty pretty even pretty even matchups. But yeah, uh, I think I think we'll do a lot better. I think that, so. There's 12 fights on that card. I'm gonna say we're gonna shoot for nine. I think nine out of twelve we could easily we could easily do. Uh, I think that that'll be the benchmark. Uh, so with that, we'll wrap it up here again. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Just had a fucking brain freeze there. Um, you can follow North Star Sports at North Star M I N. Be sure to follow the mailman at Owen the Mailman. Uh, Obviously, you got to check out our website, NorthStarSports.media. It's one of the snazziest websites in all of media. You know, I, I'm not going to name any stations. I'm not going to name any stations because I might want to. I might want to be employed by these stations at some point. Uh, but I look at some of the radio stations here in the Twin Cities. Ah, their websites n- not so good, not so good. But North Star Sports, that website's amazing. That's amazing. Fucking top of the line, great sc- color scheme. You know, just tricked out with widgets, but we don't overdo it on the widgets. But we, we just tricked out, so it, it's really good. And again, uh, you know, whether or not you follow us on on Twitter or, or check out our website, we'll have the rankings posted. I want to say tomorrow morning. Uh, I could I could pump it out tonight because um, there's probably not a whole lot of changes in the ranking just because there was a lot of debuting fighters. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have that post. Uh, posted. We'll also have the lock of the week probably posted before the show tomorrow, and then we'll mention uh, we'll mention it on the show tomorrow. And we got some great segments coming up. Obviously, you know we have uh, uh, the lock of the week, but I'm making a sounder for the lock of the week. I just got to figure out my fucking computer and how to play it. 
Uh, we got a, we got a, a great numbers segment that maybe we could debut tomorrow. Probably probably next week we'll debut that next week. And uh, you know we got some, we got some cool stuff here at North Star Sports as as we you know get deeper and deeper into the summer. So you know what I mean. The the NFL is going to start up pretty soon. Major League Baseball. Uh, I feel like that's starting in. Uh, I think in a week, to be honest. I guess technically eight days. Oh no, it's actually twelve fifteen in the morning, Friday morning. So actually, uh, a week from now, I think the uh, uh, Major League Baseball starts up, and obviously, you know, the UFC—they'll keep pumping out fight cards. So, uh, you know, we we will stay busy here at North Star Sports. So, uh, I'll close it up here. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.